Happy New Year. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We're starting a new year and a new decade by looking back at the last one. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We're surrounded by the NFL Scotland team as we look at some of the best players to have played the game in the last 10 years. We'll be going through cornerback, lineback, or defensive line, tight end, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, and some few auxiliary positions as well as we pick our top players from the last 10 years. And I can tell you, they're not all from the New Orleans Saints, although they mostly will be. So, Paul, we're going to start, as we do with every single podcast, by looking back, not at the last week, but at the last year. And for the first time ever, we've got all six, as you said in the top there, all six members of the NFL Scotland podcast here in the room. We've got, to my left, Gordon McGuinness. We've got Ian Stephen. To your left, we've got Jamie Borthwick. And we've got Charles Parson. And isn't it nice, out of the six of us, we're all in the playoffs. I've got one question for you, though. Are we part of the Marvel franchise or the DC franchise? <laughs> With these Marvel. six superheroes in the same room. Um, Ian's DC, the rest I, of us are I was Marvel. in my fantasy playoffs, I. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to touch on that, though. All, all Five out of the six of us in the playoffs, though. Jamie, what went wrong? <laughs> what went right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the Giants were garbage. Pat Shermer rightly sacked? Uh, rightly sacked, yeah. Gettleman, probably a lucky man, but I guess he gets his third year. Yes, indeed. So, right, okay. The format of this is basically going to be, we're going to go around the room, we're going to chat about position by position, we're going to put forward the people that we think are in contention for Team of the Decade for 2010 through to 2019. We're then going to put out as a little bit of a vote out to Twitter to our listeners to make the decision to make that selection for Scotland's team. We'll all have our own individual teams. We'll share them over the coming week or so. But we want to get Scotland's NFL team of the decade and we're going to kick off, and it's only right that I put myself forward for this, we're going to kick off with the defensive backs and I'm going to kick off with the person who is the absolute contender that's going to get this hands down, and I didn't think I would say this two years ago, Richard Sherman is the defensive back of the last decade. I think that there's nobody else that can come quite as close. There's some names in contention. I think that you've got to look at Patrick Peterson, uh, the Cardinals and the performances that he's put in consistently, had a couple of bands, maybe count against him. I think Darrell Rivas would have been much more in the conversation had he not stank it up back at the Jets at the end of his career. And Jalen Ramsey would be in the in contention if he wasn't as much of a dick. So I think that's pretty much where I'm at with this one. Richard Sherman was a dick, but he plays for the Niners now, so that's okay. He can still be a dick. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And he, he still is. And the, I, the infamous interview after the championship game will never be forgotten when he looked down the camera and... Don't you talk about him. And <laughs> Don't you talk about and him. Publicly dissed your former wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think he loses some style points there. Uh, it, it, do you know what? It's still a player whose shirt I wouldn't buy. I, I still haven't fully come to terms with Richard Sherman. That's because you can't play cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> to be fair, there's a lot of positions he can't play. Yeah. Don't pick on him just for that. But um, yeah, Richard Sherman for me, I just think, you know, he's won a Super Bowl. He's perpetually still playing at a high level. He's perpetually been up there as the main threat. There's people who have come along, you know, Gilmore and all that at the moment, very much. Probably a better player. You get Jalen Ramsey, as much as he is a dick, is an excellent cornerback who will do a very good job in L.A., but if you're looking at things from the last 10 years, and, I, and it's a stickler point as well, and he is the only one, I think, that's won a Super Bowl. Darrell Rivas, did he win one with the Patriots? Yes. He did. He won one with the Patriots, yep. 
So when that the, aside. Um, <laughs> what, can, I, can I throw another name out there? Yes, who's not Who is on the downslope and who's pretty much gone now? What about Aqib Talib? And what about that Denver defence, which was tremendous? What a, well, what about Chris Harris? Chris Harris as well. Yeah. Couple of if Super we're talking Bowls. cornerbacks, both of them, I think, are in the mix. Yeah. They are in the mix. Uh, definitely, like I say, there's there's multiple names in the mix. It's Richard Sherman's position, but you can put some <laughs> other names forward if you want. Hey, well, you, you haven't named anyone that I don't have written on my list, but I, I, I'm kind of going towards Revis because I think he actually set the, the mould, the, the standard for what a cornerback was in the last decade, and he was still fantastic into that decade, despite starting, I think, 2007 when he was drafted. Um Patrick Peterson is probably pound for pound my favourite out of all of them. Um, maybe not quite the same success, and as you say, a couple of bands that maybe staying against them there. But uh, no, for me, it's it, it's Revis. He showed this kind of every other name that we're going to name here is because Revis kind of set the set the standard. Well, if you're if Cam's going to lead us off with a Homer one, then I'm going to. It's like a semi Homer pick because he's only been there a year. Um, defensive backs, Errol Thomas. Um, has been phenomenal throughout his career. He's not as good in Baltimore now because they're using him more all over the place rather than that deep safety role. But um, when he was in Seattle, in that role was as good as anyone um, outside of Ed Reed at you know being able to take away the middle of the field and uh, just cause quarterbacks tons of problems. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. Um, he is an excellent player. Um, also, actually, not as big a dick as Sherman when he was at Seattle, but um, you know. It, and he's doing a really job. Marcus Pierce is another one, to be fair, who's actually been a decent cornerback throughout his time. I think Jamie's point about uh, Revis being the the sort of trailblazer of what a good cornerback is, is you're right. He was the, the mountain. He was the one that you avoided before anyone else. Would Richard Sherman be who he is today if it wasn't for Terrell Revis? I would, I would counter that by saying that is um, from when Revis started playing onwards. Before that, I think cornerbacks were far better in terms of being elite. I think the rules have changed, which have reduced the effectiveness of cornerbacks. You don't get cornerbacks that are getting 10 picks a season as much anymore. They're getting avoided. You you have to look at um, Gordon's company, really, to get a a good handle on how good a a cornerback is because you you don't see... Peters looks good, but he gambles and he gets interceptions. Um, I think, looking at my own team... Um, looking at the players in there, they're nowhere near the level of ability as some of the teams of the decade. If you go back to from the, like from the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, the the noughties, which I, I thought was quite marked, except for a couple of positions where a couple of the guys are phenomenal. But I'd add on to what um, Gordon was saying. I would add Eric Weddle onto that list as well. He's played the entire decade. He's hardly missed a game. Uh, he's been he's been incredibly consistent. I think for that the entire decade. I think he deserves to be there. This is where it comes down to what are we judging it by? Are we judging it by Vince Lombardi trophies and championships? Are we judging it by consistent excellence? And this is going to go right around the room with all the different topics and this is where it's going to get a bit fruity later on as well with some of the discussion. The one thing that trumps everything there is agendas. And I think there are six agendas in this room and ultimately (laughs) if it doesn't work to your agenda, you'll argue against it. No, no, no. In in this case, there's only five because the Saints don't have a secondary. (laughs) So I, I, I don't have a horse in this race. Um... If we're talking about significant things, the one that comes to mind, we're talking about homers. Um, the the not not a player of the decade, but for kind of general Bob Aggery move of the decade, I'm going to give that to Dante Whitner, 
who at one point tried to legally change his name to Dante Hitner because he was smashing people. You know, just brilliant. But he didn't live up to his reputation. Well, he's decent for one season, I think, at the Niners. After that, nothing. But um, I was trying to think. I was like, the secondary for the Niners has sucked for a long time. Front seven's not been so bad, but the secondary is terrible. Anyway, right. So what we're going to do, though, is we're going to come up with at most four names here. So do we have any challenge on Richard Sherman being one of those four? Uh, nah, I've been in. No, right, okay. And Darrell Rivas is definitely another one based no, on conversation? No, no, I'm not. No? All right, okay. Pat, Pat Peterson. So Pat Peterson can, as a, as a third, we can have up to four? I still think Chris Harris yeah, is I in there. Okay. So as a four? I think Rivas has to be in there somewhere, though. So like I think his, so his play at the start of the decade was too good. Richard Sherman, Darrell Rivas... Patrick Peterson, Chris Harris. Okay. Well, that are four. Any challenge? It's it sealed. sold. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we move swiftly on. Leading off the next conversation is Gordon McInnes. Gordon McInnes. Um, and he's going to be taking linebackers. Yeah, I think this is a position whereby there's only two or three guys who've been really dominant over the decade. Um, Luke Keekley at the Carolina Panthers a guy who's been ridiculously good in coverage. Um, concussions have kind of probably robbed us a little bit of just how good he could be, um, but just his level of dominance over the decade, um, winning Defensive Player of the Year as well, I think puts him there. Any other names in there at all? Or is he just your one pitch? Well, I, I would add I would add Bobby Wagner. Would, that, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he did. I think Keekley's dominance stretches over... Uh, a larger number of years than Wagner's. I think Wagner's done some really good things, um, especially the last three, four years. But I think for me, Keekley um, was stronger over there. The other name who I'm sure Cam's going to mention um, is Patrick Willis, who, again, another guy, injuries probably robbed us of you know getting to see his uh, full career. But for me, it's Keekley. Yeah, no, that's fair. Did, did Willis not quit on us, though? Was Willis not at the height of his career and then just quit? You're allowed to do that. It doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> you, 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 are, be fair, you are. You are, but you're not allowed onto our team of the decade for <laughs> yeah. doing that, though. That's the thing. Well, there, there's a few worse things. Cameron than... might have bought a Willis shirt and then he quit. <laughs> there's a few worse things than, than that. Come Von Miller. Where does Von Miller fit? Uh, Von Miller has. To, he's on my list, certainly to the top. See, I don't. I don't he doesn't count Von Miller's age. Is he? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. he's coming up in the edge conversation. He's an edge, yeah, he's right? Okay, fine. We'll consider Vaughn in the edge rusher. I think we're talking about inside linebackers right. who are good in coverage, who you know who can do everything. They're essentially yeah. you're essentially looking at who are the two guys in nickel coverage because mm. you don't have weak weak side and strong side and Mike anymore. So it's the two guys that are always on the field. I think effectively, or who you're looking at is the two guys in, in the middle there. If it wasn't for injuries, um, more recently, would um, Whitney Merciless be part of this conversation? He's been a really good linebacker in a defence that's had a bigger name dominate. Sometimes there's been two bigger names, but this season in particular as well, he's shown exactly what he's capable of. And for a smaller linebacker, he's massively disruptive. I think too, small too, much, of a reach. too, too, too much a small body of work, I think. You know, Navarro Bowman... You could you could argue yeah. that, you know you could probably go to most teams and pick out a guy that you've liked for a year or two, but I don't think there's anybody that it comes close to it. certainly. Luke Will Willis got injured, and he I think would have continued to play at a high level. That was his problem, but I don't think you can argue with Wagner and Keekley in 
in the conversation there. <laughs> Wagner. <laughs> Wagner. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, guy, the guy from Pop Idol. That's correct. And Chandler Jones. Edge. Or Edge. 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 Fine. Okay. Fine. Right. It's, um, a hybrid, it's a hybrid position, it's, Cam. It's, it's, a, it's a position that's kind of disappeared, though, because you, you always wanted to get your middle linebacker high up in the draft. You think of, like, Mike Singletree, Mike Ditka, those kind of guys. And it's it's disappeared because the 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 use of the runs nowhere near as prevalent as it, it was now. And if you can get those guys, it's a, a bonus. But it's not. It's way down the list of priorities in terms of drafting and also front offices paying players as well. And there doesn't seem to be longevity at that position. Like Willis and Bowman are two examples. Keekley's struggled so much with the concussions in his career. It's kind of strange that after... Wagner, and, <laughs> and, and to be honest, Questly. Um, th- there, there's no other names that really kind of pop in consistently. Maybe what a player for one or two seasons, but that's about it. Okay, so is that it then? Is it just is this a two man position? Is this between I think you could chuck Bobby Wagner? I think you can chuck Patrick Willis into the equation as a third name. I think that would be fair enough. Pat Willis, fine. and you have your niner in there for. You'll be happy with that. Are you going to try and get? Are you are you going to try and get a niner into every category here? <laughs> How many have we got? We're trying, well, to Lev- Davi- We're trying to get four. Yeah, Levante David, uh, um, Tampa oh. as well. He's he's he fits into that category. He's a good player. Do you know what? Because he's not played for a couple of years, he's one of those names that falls off the radar. Um, but you're right. He played what eight years in the NFL, um, and was a hugely disruptive. So fine, right. But we didn't mention him at all, but Levante David's in there to make it a foursome. Um, There'll be a fa- the fan of a certain team just screaming right now because yeah. <laughs> we're not mentioning the player. But we've got Luke Keighley, Bobby Wagner, Patrick Willis and Levante David. That's a, that's a squad of players right there. Um, okay, that's our four. Moving on, defensive line. And this is all along the line. So this is wide open then if we're dragging... Von Miller, Chandler Jones into this conversation. Yeah, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm going edge, I'm, I'm getting Von Miller, 106 sacks, and he hit the quarterback 216 times, forced 26 fumbles. Was that the same quarterback or different ones? That seems <laughs> a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, if you think about Arizona this season, how bad their offensive line yeah, is. True, true. Um, and then opposite him, I think you've got to go with J.J. Watt. Uh, 96 sacks, 265 quarterback hits in the decade. Um, he, his stats would have been better as well. He, he suffered a couple of seasons with, with injury. If I'm going defensive tackle, I've got kind of four names. and Aaron Donald's the guy that sticks out. He's not played for the whole, whole decade, but he, he sticks out. And then you've got three guys, Fletcher Cox, Jared McCoy and Gene Watkins, who have all been incredibly consistent through, through the decade. That's just my personal opinion. Possibly not played enough in the last decade to be a contender, but Julius Peppers. I mean, he could—he would have been a contender in the noughties. Did he play enough to be considered in this team of the decade conversation? Yeah, I mean, he played—he played long enough. I just—he probably wasn't as dominant as he was back, um, back in the decade before. I think Aaron Donald for me is. I think there was a point in the early part of the decade where J.J. Watt was at a level that um, no one thought was really possible and then he got hurt for a couple of years. Aaron Donald came along and all of a sudden almost kind of made people forget just how good J.J. Watt uh, was. I think the thing that makes Watt so special though is that he played both on the edge now and then in the interior at the start of his career and has just wrecked offensive linemen throughout his entire career. So um, he would definitely be uh, one of my top four. Okay. 
So Vaughn Miller, JJ Watt, Aaron Donald, no challenges, I don't think, to any of those being in. Any other names to make up the fourth? Cam Jordan? Cam Jordan is on the list alongside Cam Wake. I'm biased by that because they're called Cameron. Okay. So, you know. Okay, so 2011 to 2019, how many games has he missed? None. Played in 16 every time. Um, so he's, you know, consistent there. Sack level's absolutely fantastic. What's surprising about Cam Jordan is that his sack level has actually gone up in the last three years. You know, he's been around the league since 2011 and he just keeps getting better and better and better. So I would certainly have Cam Jordan in there. I've got Aaron Donald, JJ Watt. Where does Khalil Mack fit in here? It's an interesting one because Khalil's been a monster, but I don't know, has he taken a slight tail off this year as well and maybe not been around as long as some of the other guys? And this comes back to the whole is the Super Bowl relevant how many years do they need to have played to be considered in this Aaron Donald's got six seasons I think I think what it's kind of shown is we've got a few players who straddle over decades just you know by virtue of when they're coming into the league and then uh, you know so how, how much did they play in one how much did they play in the other Khalil Mack um, has been a, a, astonishing but maybe just not for as long as we've only got four that we can yeah. put up here and probably not for as long as some of the body of work that we've got from other like absolute superstars Can I chuck Ndamukong Sue into the mix? Yeah Because if you look at what he did in LA last year because because of his sheer presence I think Donald was able to wreak even more havoc and then he's gone to Tampa this year and Tampa have got just about the best rushing defence in the league now he is on the ball bag scale as well <laughs> but a ball bag so scale. he loses so much well we're going we're, I'm just, <laughs> we'll be going we'll be going into that in other positions probably wide receiver might get get quite um, tasty on that front as well but I mean Sue was consistently problematic for everybody you know who came up against him whether he was in Miami or LA or you know even this year and problematic though right across the right across the deck Gino Atkins are you know that that's you know problematic and then there's like you know a gigantic pain in their backsides you know it, it's yeah yeah he doesn't quite reach there in my opinion see I don't mind problematic on the field but Dominic and Sue's a pain in the arse off the field yes. um, so if you're looking from a coaching perspective you know does he do has he always done what he's been asked to do in the from, way that from coaches have wanted. Everything I've heard about Sue, he's actually a really nice, quiet guy off the field. He's just one of those guys that he's got a switch when he's on the field and he, he turns into an absolute criminal. I bet people say nice things about Richie Incognito. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, I've heard that he's a, a proper stand-up guy. Just yeah. who, who has ever said a nice thing about Richie Incognito? It's more. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she did say he was a bit of a ball back. A <laughs> um, couple of notables. Um, Haloti Nata, uh, Calais Campbell, uh, Gerald McCoy. A couple of, uh, this is a position, I mean, obviously because it's quite broad because you've got edge rushers as well as interiors. There's a lot of names here. It feels like Von Miller, JJ Watt, Aaron Donald is definitely in that top three. Who's the fourth? Cam Jordan. Have I got to repeat myself here? Any challenges? I, I don't think the fourth would get any votes. All oh, right. Okay. So, so okay. The, the, get one. so dead rubber. He'd get one. Yes, he'd get one from a certain P Mitchell. <laughs> well, you'll get you'll get a few Eagles fans lobbying for Fletch. Fletch has had oh, a few yeah. uh, All Pro teams, and he's he's triple teamed at the 
in fact, I think just the entire offensive line just stands beside him. I don't think the Eagles have got anyone else fit. So Cox is just ahead of Gino Atkins for me, I think, if we're going for a fourth name. Okay, so that's two for Cox, one for Jordan. Uh, Cam Jordan's not won a Super Bowl, has he? Since 2010. Was he playing at that point? No, he wasn't. He wasn't there. Right. Fletcher <laughs> Cox it is. I always prefer Jordan Cameron, to be honest. Do you want me to argue that... Did I say... Oh, Jordan. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to argue this? Saints should have won it the last two years. That's a different... Right, okay. There. Oh, no, no. <laughs> the, the problem that... The you have a, this is one of those kind of positions where they're valuable in a certain defense. Yes. So, for example, Brandon Graham and Trey Flowers are both brilliant defensive ends against the run. Coaches love them, but they don't wow with sack stats, so they might not make it onto these teams. But they're just as valuable, if not more valuable, to whatever kind of defense they're on. So, I think Jordan falls into that category, and that he's an incredible player, but he just doesn't have the that extra kind of focus that Watt and uh, Von Miller have? I think Fletcher Cox feels like a fourth name. There's going to be some Saints further down this. There's not going to be any more Eagles. So let's uh, <laughs> take that cheap shot and move on. <laughs> of course there won't be any more Eagles. They're all currently in hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so our four for defensive line is Von Miller, JJ Watt, Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox. Done. Next, it's up to the tight ends. And Paul Mitchell, you will be kicking us off with, I assume, Jimmy Graham. No, I'm, I'm going to go to New England. Okay. And if life had been a little bit different, we could have been talking about Aaron Hernandez. Because, if you remember, he was an unbelievable player on the field. Their life took a different turn. They were both drafted. So it is said. Now, I mean, they were taken within a round of each other. They were taken in the same season. You know, I think we tend to forget that Gronkowski and Hernandez were teammates. Uh, I mean, it's Rob Gronkowski. I don't think there's anything doubt about it. Jimmy Graham, I think, to come to Ian's point earlier, was a great player in a certain system and hasn't worked elsewhere and should have stayed where he was. I don't think there's anybody that's come close to Rob Gronkowski, but I think Aaron Hernandez would have done. You know, he was actually viewed for a long time as the better prospect of the two. It's an interesting one, and you're right. This feels like the probably the most stick-on of all the positions. Um, Rob, Gronk, whatever, has been grabbing headlines, even now, in New Year's, as he smashed a bust of Steve Harvey. Can, can, I, um, can, I, can I step in, sorry, as a former tight end? Yes. I'm going to disagree vehemently uh, with Paul. Gronkowski was a good player. Gronkowski struggled to play on the, the field at times. I think his... Um, I'm going to say his ego, not his own created ego, but the kind of ego that was created for him in the media. I think it boosted his profile. Um, I hate myself for saying this, but as far away it's Jason Witten. He, he never missed a game this decade. He was an outstanding blocker, an outstanding receiver. He broke the tight end receiving record and, and then Zach Ertz came along and broke it. He retired, out for a season. It was actually better at commentary than Booger McFarland and then came back <laughs> and played uh, this, Seriously. this season. Um, and, and even then, I would look at Travis Kelsey yep. over Gronkowski. Um, and just for one season, you're looking at George Kittle, the season that Kittle's had is phenomenal. The highest, one of the highest graded ever by Pro Football Focus. Yeah, this past year's is the highest graded season ever by a tight end. Um, his problem's longevity. He's only been in the league a couple of years, but he looks like he's going to be 
um, good enough to to be that. I think the Jason Witten thing, one thing that can't go in his favour is being a better commentator than Booger McFarlane because that's a low, <laughs> a low, low bar. I want to see that on his LinkedIn profile. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's Gronk. I think I think everyone else, there, there's guys who have... Um, claims to it. You can even look at a guy like Jared Cook, who um, played well over the course of the decade. But when Gronk was at his best on the field, I don't think anyone else can come close. I think he was dominant as a blocker, the best downfield threat, could make people miss. Um, I think he probably benefits numbers-wise from playing with Brady, but he probably also boosted Brady's numbers. I think that's the key point. I think he did boost Brady's numbers, and then when we get to quarterback, I will be arguing that quite vehemently. Ooh, spoiler alert. The, um, I think if you look at Kelsey and Kittle, when their careers are over, perhaps they might be rated as good as Gronk, if not better. I mean, Kelsey's numbers are off the chart, but he's playing in a system that allows him to do that. But they've not got that longevity yet, obviously. So I think it's Gronk and any any other potential I, contenders. I, I agree. I just want Jason Witten to start his own podcast and call it Better Than Booger. <laughs> I think that that's just got the title for me. That is brilliant. So we could put we could put Witten into that conversation because I think we'll, we'll vote on this to see if there is others out there. I don't think you um, can put Jimmy Graham in <laughs> I, based on how bad he's been at Green Bay the last been two so years. Bad. I didn't even I, see well, I think there might be the, the, the problem with the quarterback might have something to do with it there, but um, he's just gone downhill rapidly, isn't he? I think you'd put in Kit, you'd put in Kittle and Kelsey before you put in Jimmy Graham based on what they've done the last couple of years. So as a Niner, I would love to put Kittle in there, but I feel like team of the decade, he's not done enough yet to be a contender in that. Like, I mean, he set so many records last year, but to be fair, he was the only person who could be thrown to um, by a bunch of bums and junk time. So, you know, it's like junk time tight end stats, but I love him. I bought his top. He's awesome. He's doing it this year as well. And he's, Tremendous. Um, it, it, sh- it shows you how strong this tight end group is in that we're not really mentioning Zach Ertz and Ertz had the best receiving season of a, a tight end ever and he's been consistently good for the last five years. It shows you the, the depth and tight end. So I've got Ertz on my list um, and I thought I, he edged it over um, Kittle because of the... He had the receptions record, didn't he? So um, I thought he edged it because he was so instrumental to the Eagles over the last couple of years. He was instrumental in And he's that. won a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl, absolutely. And he was a big part of that. So actually, I think Zach Ertz has been around just long enough to be a contender in this. Um, so if no one objects, I, I've gone against my own word and added in another Eagle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> notable mentions for me. <clears throat> Vernon Davis, actually, is a 49ers tight end because he's still doing it to an extent, um, you know, was a huge threat at the Niners, went to Washington and had injuries and things like that, but still managed to make great plays. A great um, a great player for doing stuff after the catch as well. So Vernon Davis. And he played enough of the year. If we're going to talk about Kittle, we go back to the start. Tony Gonzalez played till 2013-14. Antonio Gates played until 2017. Antonio Gates, Delaney Walker's in that conversation yeah. to an extent. Um but Tony Gonzalez gets a notable mention. I don't think he's in this list because I think he would have won tight end of the noughties by an absolute country mile. Like, as probably as much as Gronk's going to win it here. But I've got Gronk, Witten, Ertz. Do we have a fourth name that we want to chuck into this? Kelsey. Kelsey. Fine. I'm quite happy with that. And no, it's not Jason. Um, just to make it clear. I think he's kind of in the mix for saying he doesn't have to worry. <laughs> um, right. 
So that gives us Rob Gronkowski, Jason Witten, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey. Boom, four, done. On to the running backs, which will be led by Jamie Borthwick. I was getting ready for the wide receivers. Okay. Oh. Um. <laughs> I, I did say wide receiver earlier on. Oh, well. Which would you like to lead with? I'm going to go with wide receiver. Right, we're going to scrap right? wide receiver. Because I literally made a list for it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. The, the running backs are so bad, he doesn't know any. I've only got one. On Barkley, <laughs> I've only yeah. got one written down for the running backs. Um, if we were having this conversation about two months ago, I think everyone would have been saying Antonio Brown would be right up the top, and then he's had this uh, comic capers year and it's it's knocked him in everyone's eyes but I think he still needs to be on the list I think he's done incredible things this decade but for me he's not been as good as Julio Jones who um, has, has just been phenomenal and every year just seems to get stronger and stronger as the season goes on and uh, led my fantasy team to the championship this year as well so definitely stays in there my favourite of the decade is Calvin Johnson um, I think what he did for Matthew Stafford um, has just been shown. Uh, yeah, he quit and uh, didn't get the whole body of work in, but I like to think of him as like one of those TV shows that decided to call it at the perfect time and then it's, it's just thought of as a complete, if short and abridged period of work. Uh, it's Megatron for me. Yeah. I have to say he's at the top of my list as well. I, I think he's the place to start. He's the one, you know, when you watch, every time it went, you know, to the highlights in Detroit, he was the guy you looked for because he was the one that was the most exciting. Um, so, yeah, and Julio Jones, yeah, best Falcon in years, to be fair. <laughs> if you're looking for a fourth, I think you might have to look at Michael Thomas. Funnily as fu enough. As much as I pains me to say it. Funnily enough, you know, so just off the top of my head, I'm sure it's three Pro Bowls, uh, all-pro first team, twice NFL receptions leader, receiving yards leader, made the all-rookie team. I don't think there's anything that he can't do. And yes, now we could be argued that we're overlooking guys at the earlier part of the decade, mm. you know. You know, AJ Green was great at some point. You know, yeah, and then, some got injured. People, then got injured. Jordy um, Nelson racked up yards year after year yeah. after year, and then disappeared as soon as he left Green Bay. You see, the, the issue with Michael Thomas is the same yards per catch as a fullback, um, which is not great as a wide receiver. So that would take him off the list for me, and I would replace him on that list with DeAndre Hopkins, who's been absolutely phenomenal there's not a better receiver in terms of body control and hands in the, the league than Hopkins and Julio Jones it's not been mentioned yet his blocking is amongst the best ever for a wide receiver if you were to clone a wide receiver you're probably looking at something that would come out looking like Julio Jones I mean I, I think the hands of, of of Michael Thomas win it for me but I mean I take your point about you know DeAndre Hopkins phenomenal receiver no doubt about that I mean where does Des Bryant come into this? Because Cowboys fans would be yelling for, for Des Bryant. Where does Larry Fitzgerald come in? You know, at, at what point did he start to go downhill? So, you know, there's a lot of great names around there. I'm not even sure Larry Fitzgerald has gone downhill. I think I he think has. his like, quarterbacks aren't as good. And he's um, not as fast. He's no, not, no, he's not his, as fast. His prime body of work, if we, if we want to call it that, was done probably in the last decade. But then you look at the fact he... You know, you remember that amazing play against the Green Bay in the, in, in the in the playoffs where he ran the length of the field and then he scored the touchdown to take them to the championship game when Carson Palmer was there. So I think he did it throughout this, this decade as well. But 
I think there's probably people with more receptions and more, more yeah, bigger and th- numbers, you know? I think that Fitzgerald falls into that kind of a wide receiver number one that's not as much of an outright threat like Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, even Jordy Nelson to that extent. But you saw Jordy as well benefited big time from Aaron Rodgers, went to the Raiders and really wasn't anything in particular at all. Des Bryant had a great career that I'm not even sure is finished yet. There's still chat about him potentially coming back next year. And then Mike Evans has got to be in that conversation. He's been in what is a stinking Bucks team with a quarterback that's colorblind. We're just saying it as fact now. Um, Deshaun Jackson's the other one that, for me, just sort of the, the yards per catch average that he's had because of what he can do once he's received the ball. Um, you know, some of the biggest plays over the last decade come uh, from Deshaun Jackson. So, yeah, lots of names on this, and getting this down to four is going to be a challenge. I wonder, should we have a wee slot guy in there as well? Edelman. Edelman. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd put Edelman above a lot of the kind of the, when we started going down the list of the of the WR ones there, I would have had Edelman above a lot of them there. Okay, so we'll definitely say Julio Jones is in this, and are we definitely saying Megatron? Yes, Absolutely. we are. Nobody yep. objects to those I'm two. Kind of... <clears throat> he quit. <laughs> and quit. I saw that argument coming. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, that's what frustrates me because yeah. he, he was right in the prime of his career, us. and he, he he robbed himself. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't know what what could have happened. He could have got traded and um, ended up winning four Super Bowls in a row. You'll you'll never know. Cantona um, quit, but we still worship what he did. What Cantona quit? What he quit at thirty-one. I think whether you quit or not did, doesn't did matter. Did he do it in a wet Wednesday night in Dumbarton? Well, <laughs> can't see Megatron doing it in a wet Wednesday night in Dumbarton either. I just think I think I think you should be allowed to walk out when you choose, and I don't think that should affect your legacy. I don't. Well, I think. I mean, yeah. The, the one thing is, he didn't do anything in the playoffs, and this is again where it comes back to what is the argument for greatness? Is it the silverware? I mean, look at the number of bang average players that have got a Super Bowl ring. And look at the number of great players that never won a playoff game. Cal- so it's Calvin quite Johnson tricky. was six times Pro Bowl. I mean, 20, 2010 that, to 2015. That's, Wait, I know, yeah. but I mean... Give me all pro. Give me all pro. Give you all, give you all pro instead. Uh, three times. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, 80, 83 touchdowns. <laughs> uh, I'd have Hopkins and Johnson. Yeah, I, would, I would actually take Johnson out and put in Michael Thomas. Well, he's also been on Dancing oh, with the Stars. No, I think we don't tend put to Michael Thomas that. in. It was just, it was just a conversation. <laughs> the the, um, the, Ar- the Arsenal player. Yeah. For the <laughs> um, okay, so I'm trying to figure this. Here's the th- Antonio Brown. Right, we we need to oh, talk about clown yeah. in the room. He he should be in the top four. He should like, be. I he mean, should be. This year was ridiculous, and you know the fact that. He basically had the hashtag no white women 2020 as his tagline for the last like four months. Yeah. Should probably eliminate you from any list. That's, that's um, Trump's uh, running story. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact that you have your weekly award named after him surely know, means that he gets an automatic <laughs> buy into the, into the, into the vote. And the thing is, like, when, when we come to the end of the season and we sit down and we do our end of year awards, just looking at this last season, he's going to get absolutely hammered and rightly so. But if we're looking at it over the decade, if you're looking at a body of work, as we're talking about here, his body of work is phenomenal for the attributes that he's got compared to some of these other bigger guys. Great pair of hands, not as tall, but explosive. 
the reason that the Steelers were relevant for so very long was him and Levy and Bellin. The way that they've fallen off the cliff since the two of them have left. Fine, there were massive disruption in the locker room by the sounds of things, but they were talent. They great were route. He was talent. a great route runner. Yeah. But that's, again, if you've got a slot guy in there like Edelman, or if you've got a deep threat in there, then... So take the behaviour out mm. of it, though. See, I don't think you can. Antonio... No, I don't think you can. But then Edelman's had his suspensions for performance-enhancing stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) 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 I think, again, I I think this... You know, you're talking all pro, all team, you know, all decade, whatever we want to call this, of who we would like to see and choose. Or, you know, if we were going to be the coach of that team, I wouldn't want him anywhere near it. He is the ball bag for every reason and I think that's why I don't like Indomic and Sue for exactly the same reason you know you've got to bring together and coach a team he's more important than the team nah it doesn't work for me okay fine right we're eliminating Antonio the only point I'll add to that is if we're having no white women 2020 against them I went without white women for about four or five years it wasn't a choice but it still happened I think there's going to be a lot of very upset Steelers fans getting involved with this I, I mean I don't like what's happened in the last year but I think you have to look at the overall decade as a body of work and it's like one year if he'd retired a year ago he would be on your list yeah yeah. so I think with him we probably need to just assume he's not going to play again and just assume he has retired right okay <laughs> is he going to turn up in New Orleans Paul I hope not with his entourage I, I genuinely hope another not another good excuse to not win the Super Bowl um, for the Saints I think the Saints were just doing that to annoy the NFL to be perfectly honest so we need to we need to nail this fourth though so Julio Jones Megatron and two I still feel like we need two Hopkins, Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins fine and Edelman I think Edelman deserves to be on there oh there's going to be some protest from opposite me I think Right, so Absolutely, Michael Thomas but isn't making this. We, we live in a democracy, and, and unlike some snowflakes who won't accept the results of, <laughs> oh, yeah. of elections, I'm well, quite happy we'll that add, whatever add is Thomas agreed make, is, make it is, five. Is add here. Thomas on, and the fans can vote. There's nothing Paul can do about democracy. Wait, a playoff to get into the four. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the Twitter voting setup is a maximum of four, so Thomas hasn't made it. Um, I'm not going to go start rioting on the streets, you know. I he's not my wide receiver. I guess the one, the one argument for Thomas would be that he's not been on this the game as long as the others. But okay, democracy has said Julio Jones, Megatron, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julius Edelman. Don't worry, Paul. I've got your back with player further down the list. Don't worry, you'll be happy. All for that. Okay. Right. Okay. So now we move swiftly on to Charles Patterson, who's going to take us through the running backs. Running backs. Uh, right. Adrian Peterson. I think is the first. He hit a child with a stick. He he did. He did. Um, It was a. He he deliberately chose a stick from a tree. Put that stick there. I shall hit this child with. So, by we think it was his old child. He doesn't know how many children he has. He's never admitted. He says, "I know how many I have. I'm not telling you." And people think it's between three and nine. Sorry, is this Boris Johnson or is this Adrian Peterson? Aside from that. Um, ignoring his, uh, uh, however many children he's got, and his and how indiscipline and criminal charges, and it wasn't whatnot. indiscipline; it was discipline that got him. <laughs> um, I think body of work again, and one of the greatest seasons ever as a running back, and became an MVP as a result, which is very difficult to do. I think you've also got to chuck into the mix um, Mr. Tequila Shot, who's just come back into the league. 
uh, Marshawn Lynch for his, I think he redefined the position, especially in the playoffs for a lot of, uh, for a lot of people watching. And I mean, what he did with Seattle was phenomenal because he wasn't very good really before he arrived in Seattle. He was an average running back, I think at best. Um, the problem with it is the running back position, the longevity is quite, is, is quite questionable. And Peterson has done it right way through the decade, even now on a, truly terrible team <laughs> he's managed to produce the goods and we don't know how impactful Lynch is going to be in the next three or four weeks but he could well play a major part in getting them perhaps to another Super Bowl um, I think also you could talk about Frank Gore but I don't think he has done enough perhaps I mean he's one, he's one of the you know he's got the stats to back it up in some respects but He's not done enough, I don't think, at the top end of his, you know, uh, uh, when, the, when, when it's happened. All-time Russia. Yeah, indeed. Ever. But I don't, you know, yeah, I, I don't... started in 1938. I, 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 don't, <laughs> he, he, I don't think he's made enough of an impact when it matters in the big games. The, the problem, um, the problem and then with, you've got a fourth, and where's, who's your well, fourth? The problem with Frank Gore saying that he's the third best rusher of all time, it's like saying um, off-white is the third best wallpaper colour of all time. People are just like, hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's 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 the, the the now equivalent of Curtis Martin when you're just like how did how did he get up there? You're just like two what? yards a carry for yeah, for yeah. anybody will get I, you there. I think one name you've got to chuck in is um, Shady McCoy. Um, he's not missed a single season, um, and he, over ten thousand yards rushing. He was electric uh, when he played. Um, Lynch, I'm kind of Lynch was good, I think, for a couple of seasons, and then he, he struggled to get a thousand yards uh, when he was rushing for a, a couple of those. Um, but what I said at the the start when I was saying that like, the quality of this team compared to other all decades teams, I think the running back position for this is, is pretty is pretty average to be honest. Peterson's had a good career, but. When you talk about the greatest running backs of all time, none of these guys break into the, the top 10, mm. to be honest, in terms of talent. That's because the league has changed, of course, I think. And it's, I think. Uh, it, uh, there's a caveat to that, in that I think there's two possibly the best running backs of all time who are currently playing mm. in the league, in Barkley and Elliot, but they've only just started their careers. Well, Elliot's now four seasons in, and this is the worst season he's had. And yet that Dallas off offence was number one in the league because they've suddenly... Well, but apart from their shocking decision making from a coaching perspective, they've you know they've they've allowed Dak to kind of take over the team. Whereas the first three seasons, Elliot was he was he was the the hub of that team. And then you look at what McCaffrey's done this year, but that's only for a season. The 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 best teams ultimately who have who have ended up in the in the playoffs, with the exception of one or two, have got incredible rushing attacks this year. And the ones who you would imagine are going to are going to succeed have actually got. A, are based on a decent rushing attack. I mean, Kamara has been great for two or three years, but this has been his poorest season so far. So yeah. there's a lot of potentially great running backs out there at the moment, but they've not. The, the, this generation is not quite. It's it almost proved it yet. Be when we sit down ten years from now. I wonder whether this the the running back position will be split into two types as well, more so than any other point where you've got your receiving running back, who are your Kamaras and your McCaffreys, into a point Barkley, who is a different beast and will put up different numbers to an Elliot, who is running through the line that's doing that pound and ground. You know, Dalvin Cook and those guys are slightly different, less likely to be a threat down the field, but will just run their yards and through the wall. They're always going to have a lower average game because they're the guys that you're getting to put two yards. 
you're not really seeing McCaffrey used for that purpose because you're just going to break him that way. Um, I take your point, obviously, as well about um, Frank Gore. Interesting to note, just having a very quick look there, but average yards per carry over his entire career, Frank Gore is 4.3, Shaden McCoy is 4.5, Adrian Peterson is 4.7. So average yards per carry... Minimally, average, average child beaten. Uh, <laughs> okay then. If you want to go average yards... Frank Gore's never had anything. He's never had... Not a blemish on his personnel record. Darren Sproles, average yards per carry, 4.9. 4. Okay, right. Played all right throughout the decade. Tailed off towards the end, but, you know. I think there's, there's two major things for me that go in Lynch's favour. Uh, one is that he was a machine when it came to breaking tackles, broke more tackles than any other running back this decade. The other is this is the NFL Scotland podcast and one of the best Scottish Twitter clips for the NFL is when he was, I think it was Paisley he was in, Paisley. Uh, cycling along with a kilt on and everything just in his media savvy way despite the fact that he hates the media uh, was great. So I think that coupled with the fact that he was an absolute beast to, to try and take down for me puts him at the top. Okay. Fine. Um, See, I agree. Just the last point on Adrian Peterson. If, if anybody was at Wembley for the Vikings-Steelers game, where he broke through and the sheer and utter speed to find the end zone is one of the best runs I've ever seen live. It was just... That showed you what he was like. You know, you'd watch other running backs who looked impressive. He was absolutely lightning. I would also say that if Gurley's knees had held up, I think Gurley would be in that yeah. conversation. Yeah, no, totally. Right, okay, we need four, though. So Adrian Peterson, yeah. Marshawn Lynch. Who are the other two? Got to be Shady. Yeah. LaShawn yeah, McCoy. McCoy. A couple of notable mentions not in there. Uh, Jamal Charles, who, yeah. barring injury, would have been a, another great player, another great receiving back. A personal favourite for mine, and his name doesn't really come up in these conversations, and I think it's because he was on a crap team. Um, he was on two crap teams, and if he'd been at a better team, he was another back that just was a great one at breaking tackles and getting extra yards, was Matt Forte, yeah. um, who I thought was a great player to watch. Really. <laughs> so, so many like outstanding talents who just did it in fits and starts and then got injured and never yeah. really recovered. Arian Foster's another one. And yeah, he, totally. He had his moments and then just went straight off a cliff. And then Eddie Lacey, he just got fat. You know, and that's... <laughs> Injured by multiple hamburgers. Um, <laughs> well, again, I mean, do do laugh, but I mean, Darren Sproles. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, he started oh. seriously. Started back in two thousand five. He was still playing in twenty nineteen. You know, twenty sixteen for Philly. You know, averaged four point seven a carry, ninety four carries. I mean, the boy has done a lot of work in that time. But again, it's probably just not sexy enough a a pick. Uh, I mean, I had Gore, McCoy, Lynch, and Peterson as the four. But I, I agree with you. I mean, Gord is like saying beige is wonderful. But do we put him on? Does he deserve to be on there because he's the third all-time rusher? Um, and if we look at what he's achieved that, and he started let, in let, 2005. Let, let, let me put this into context. Who is the all-time leading rusher in college football? I don't know the answer to that. Do you know? It's Daniel Pumphrey. Okay. So it's that's not a really, good start. Yeah. It's not really that. We're all looking at you inspectantly there. <laughs> it's, it's not really that. <laughs> he he could have made that up. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. No, he's right. And now that you said it, I know. I know he's right on that. The the other I saw point, that five pound note getting slipped <laughs> there. <laughs> the other point on that though is who's the leading rusher in NFL history? It's Emmett Smith. And the last decade of his career, you would never put him in the top five in in uh, in running backs in the NFL because 
for him to get the record was just a case of playing un- until he got it, and that was one point five yards of carry to get the record. <laughs> Come on, Emma. Go on, son. Frank Gore could win the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen, but he could. Yeah. So yeah. So I think, okay. I think you got to put him in there. I think Frank Gore, you got to put okay, him in there. Okay, to anyone, any name other than Frank Gore that deserves to be on this list more than Frank Gore, where we've got Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch, and Lashawn McCoy. Does Elliot deserve to be in front of Frank Gore? I guess that is the question. Le'Veon Bell, but we don't like him because he's. No, I, I think Bell was a product of the offensive line in Pittsburgh yeah. a lot. Um, I think I think he's been Gore found probably, out this year, isn't he? Yeah, I think Gore probably deserves probably to go on it just inconsistency, but it's a, I think it's a weak group. I don't even think Shady McCoy is that 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 great, and he's obviously an ex-Eagle. So it's nice to have a Buffalo Bill in this list. So that's for no reason other than that. Let's go with that. Actually, um, uh, Marshall Lynch was a Buffalo Bill as well. Anyway, right. Um, the final four: Adrian Peterson, Marshall Lynch, Lashawn McCoy, Frank Gore. I tell you what, if that was your fantasy team in circa two thousand and seven, you won your league. Um, final of the official positions because we will have an auxiliary slot at the end. Um, quarterbacks. No one's going to lead this. This is an all-in. We'll start with Paul, because we know what he's going to stay, and I think it'll lead us on from there. So, Paul, make your pitch. Go for it. Jameis Winston. <laughs> yeah, well, Jameis Winston for comedy value. To throw that pick to finish the season was an absolute hoot. I mean, yeah, you're looking at, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, funnily enough. How Drew Brees didn't make the top 10 all time is an utter mystery. He leads in touchdowns, he leads in yards, he leads in leadership. Uh, and but for a couple of dodgy calls over the last couple of years, uh, might have had more Super Bowl rings. To me... He's he, got a cracking chain of restaurants as well. He does, yeah. oh, absolutely. Uh, walk-ons, if anybody's looking for them in New Orleans. Uh, t- to me, just everything about the guy, the the leadership, the fact, you know, the backstory... There's, there's very little drama with Drew Brees, there's drama with Aaron Rodgers, there's drama arguably with Tom Brady as well. These are the guys that we're talking about. But for me, and in terms of pure enjoyment, and I'm biased, obviously, as a Saints fan, but Drew Brees, to me, over the last 10 years, amazing. I think if you're talking entertainment value, there's I've got five names on my list, and one of them's a bit of an outsider because the, the big four from last year, and anyone can jump in and correct me, but the, the obvious four, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady. I don't think Brady's entertaining to watch like the others are. I don't think Brady... If, you're, if you've got a Hail Mary at the end of the game, you want it in the hands of Rodgers or Brees. If you want big throws and continually just annoying, but getting all the, the little passes, you go for Brady. And that's what he did. Um, Peyton Manning had the capability to just drive his team, just continually drive his team. The one other name I'm going to chuck into the mix for this, who I think needs to be considered, is Russell Wilson. Because for entertainment value... He's up there, and he's even more so now than ever. And if the Seahawks beat the Eagles this weekend in the wild... When the Seahawks beat the Eagles. (laughs) It will be Russell Wilson that does it. It won't be anybody else in particular. You know, DK Metcalf might destroy that secondary. He may put the rest of them in hospital, but... um, Russell Wilson just continues to the scrambling, the way he finds it. I mean, I call them lucky, and I'm always going on about the the, the spawniest team in the NFL. <laughs> and it's because Russell Wilson sold his soul. Uh, circa 2006, he met a devil at a crossroads. He's made a 10-year deal. Um, 
2016, I said 2016, I must have done it before that, 2012. So actually two years left before the hellhounds are coming for him. But um, Russell Wilson has got some kind of six or seven leaf clover in his shoe and he's just slings that ball up I, and it I've, lands in his players' yeah, hands. I think it's interesting how you view the quarterback position because... My opinion is not for the quarterback to be entertaining. The quarterback's job is to get it to the guy who is entertaining, to find that space in the coverage and and which is what Breeze does very well, which is what um, Tom Brady does very well. What Russell Wilson does, his quarterbacking style is effectively they run the ball so well and then they get him on the boot and he throws whilst running, which looks a bit more entertaining. It's a difficult skill. Rodgers does it as well he's a great quarterback um, on the run but I, I I don't think you can dismiss it in terms of I mean it's obviously it gets a bit dull with Breeze just throwing it to one yard to Michael Thomas there you go Michael 400 catches today for six yards <laughs> I'm trying because to be fair, no, absolutely. I think you're right because when we were at the Superdome last year, when the Saints played the Eagles, that's precisely what they did. I'm trying to remember what was the score? Oh, all right, okay, right. This is going off right now. I um, I think I don't think you can't you can't put Manning on this list for this decade. Manning was a shell in the 2010s. He was great in the noughties, but he was getting carried in the in the in the in, the, in this decade. Or plus, the decade that's just gone. And, plus, he retired, so he and, and he retired. Yeah, well, so. according, according to some people, <laughs> he's not allowed to. He's not allowed because he quit. He quit. Uh, I have to say, um, I, I can understand the argument for Breeze absolutely, and Russell Wilson. I would agree because you would pay to watch him. But the single greatest quarterback season ever was by Rodgers, and if you had to pick one player to make a pass when it mattered it would be Rodgers now perhaps not this season but he's got he had he could pull the hair the Hail Mary out of the bag he should have got to more than one Super Bowl he was let down by completely inept management above him for no defense for the better part of five years um two league MVPs I, I will still never forget that pass he made in Dallas along the touchline to Jared Cook which was just off the plot. I mean, you, no, no other quarterback apart from Patrick Mahomes can make that throw. Um, so, for sheer talent, it's Rodgers. Okay. Just going to add in about Peyton Manning that I get. I take the point. He was very good for the Colts and obviously did very well. His two best yards careers came in 2013 and 2014 when he was at the Broncos. He threw for 55 touchdowns in the 2013 season. I just. He won I, a Super Bowl still. He, he, did, he did win a Super Bowl. There's no he also had a phenomenal that. defense. Which he did. And he, he didn't have, in, in Indianapolis, he didn't have that defense. And no. he still won a Super Bowl. Yes. Um, so his level was so much greater in Indianapolis. I, he I, definitely I think, had, I, yeah, I think, I think Charles is right. I think if you're in another decades team, you don't qualify for this one if you've only got okay. a couple of seasons. But Manning was... What, uh, what about Brady then? <laughs> no, no, that's an excellent point. What, what about Brady will qualify for the next decade as well? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one player who's completely um, off the, the wall. Um, Breeze, you could argue the Superdome's got a very good home advantage, a lot of talent that was put around him, very good coach in Sean Payton. You can argue that Brady's maybe got the best coach of all time, he had a lot of talent. Rodgers, you get the home advantage at Lambeau. In offense, he had a lot of talent as well. 
Uh, Russell Wilson, excellent defence behind him. Pete Carroll, a great coach. Big home advantage there as There's well. one quarterback. See, I'll dig out the stats. See, I should have got these out before I got excited and started talking. <laughs> um, right, there's one quarterback who threw for 44,320 yards and 291 touchdowns in the decade without having a good coach, good receivers, good offensive line, good defence. That's Philip Rivers. Mm. Um, In terms of what he's actually overcome his entire career to have a good career, I would say Rivers has got to be in that team. And if you transplanted Rivers into any of the teams of the quarterbacks that we were talking about, you would have a multiple Super Bowl winner. My big question about Brady is if you took Brady out of New England, would he have won the Super Bowls? Would he be regarded as the greatest of all time? And I don't believe he would have done. I think he was aided laterally by Gronk and I think he was aided at the start of his career by that great defence and the fact that he has the greatest coach that he's worked with for 20 years of all time Brady is a tremendous player a brilliant game manager but I wouldn't want him throwing a pass for my life I wouldn't want him doing it I would pick other guys ahead of that I I think he probably wins less Super Bowls um, but I think he still wins um, at least a couple I think I think for me the top four in this decade are fairly fairly clear cut. I think it's uh, Brady, Wilson, Rogers, Breeze um, as the top four. Uh, the only other wild card name you could add in, based on some of our other um, positions, is that Tony Romo is definitely a better commentator than Booger McFarland, <laughs> so he can get in on that on that basis. But I, I think it's pretty clear who the top four are um, based on an on the field perspective. Okay, so I think Philip Rivers is a really good shout, but I think he maybe just falls outside. The four, I think if it was a five, it would probably be, um, it would be, if I'm not allowed Peyton Manning, then it would be Philip Rivers. So, is the four Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady and Russell Wilson? I don't disagree with that four. So, and this is a serious question, so don't laugh. Where does Eli Manning come into this? The only other multiple... Super Bowl winner. (laughs) Winning quarterback of this decade, yeah. And nobody mentions him. Eh... I don't know. Those noises. I don't know. Sum up his career perfectly. Yeah. <sighs> I, I think he's at, a t- whole, at I, times I incredible fame. and like a, just like a fantastic leader, but at other times just utterly maddening. Had a great defense most of the time. Well, the, well, the two times they won Super Bowls anyway, for sure, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd have him in the Hall of Fame because... So this is one thing that everyone gets worked up about with the Hall of Fame, but it's not called... So everyone says, like, it's it's not the Hall of Very Good. It's also not the Hall of Great or the Hall of Brilliant. It's the Hall of Fame. And one of the, one of the things they always talk about with the Super Bowl, with the Hall of Fame, is can you tell the story of the NFL without this player? And you can't really tell it without Eli Manning because... He's the reason those two drives to win two Super Bowls are the the primary reason why the Patriots didn't win another two. I would put him on the same level as Big Ben. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, and the other, the other, and thing, he won two Super Bowls the, as well. The other thing, albeit with, in the last decade. Yeah, the other thing with Eli Manning is he won two Super Bowls, um, and these things can be done on the on the couple of plays that wind up being luck. Um, the Ravens lost the AFC Championship game to the Patriots the year before they won it on a drop pass and a missed field goal. So you're possibly two plays away from saying that Joe Flacco's won two Super Bowls and he wouldn't be on my... He wouldn't be... <laughs> as much as I would like to be a homer, he would not be on my top four quarterbacks of the decade. But he, you've still got that pass to Jacoby Jones, of course. Forever. I do, I do. 
So who are the other three that are going alongside Drew Brees then? So we've got <laughs> the four are Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. If we're talking anyone, notable mentions, I'm going to give him one because if he, well, um, if he didn't get injured, he would have been in this conversation, Andrew Luck. Funnily enough, that's the one name you mentioned in Indianapolis in a different context. That's the one name that I also had. It would have been interesting to see if they'd constructed a line that would have protected him. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's interesting. It does come down in certain cases to mismanagement. You know, you've got an absolute yeah. stunning quarterback, but... They got that offensive line two years too late, basically. Yeah. Well, it was all, all first-rounders yeah. by that point, yeah. but too late to, to come through. Um, what a player he would have been. Right, okay, that's basically completed then the list. We're going to put this all out on Twitter over the the next week or so, um, give you guys a chance to listen to this podcast and then share your thoughts. We will then collectively pull together Scotland's team of the decade. We've not got any other official positions, but I am going to open this to the floor for any other business. Um, game of the decade? Play of the decade, perhaps? Mm-hmm. I can think of play of the decade. We need a kicker. Play- well, yeah, well we need a kicker. I've got, got, a, I've got a list of linemen. I've got kickers as well. If yeah. I can... Can I run through the line quickly? Yeah, go for it. Right. Tackles. March on. Tackles, I've got Joe Thomas, Jason Peters, and Tyron Smith. Um, I think it's hard to argue against those three, although Thomas did quit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guard, I've got Marshall Yanda and Zach Martin. Um... But as a side note, I think uh, Quentin Nelson, too early for him, but I think Quentin Nelson is probably going to go down as one of the best guards of all time, um, alongside Randall McDaniel, I think, of the, the Vikings. He's that good. Centre, I've got Marquise Pouncey and Jason Kelsey. Um, I actually thought you'd have somebody else in there for centre, but it's been quite a weak position over the decade. Um, and for returner, I think you've got to go for Dan Sproles. Um, punter, Johnny Hecker. Yeah, that's what I've got in mind. Kicker, Mason Crosby. Because Mason Crosby ooh, ooh. Mason Crosby has kicked every single kick for the Packers in the decade. Justin Tucker, yes, he's very good, but has Justin Tucker kicked every single kick for the Ravens in the decade? I think Mason Crosby is grossly underrated. Yes. And he had a wee bit of a wobble a couple of years ago. But I think it would be hard to argue against Justin right, so Tucker. It like this is going to be a conversation now. <laughs> so um, the old line you've got covered, and I'll get you a list and I'll put this up. Uh, punt returners as well is another interesting one. But okay, let's do kickers. Justin Tucker came along in 2012. <laughs> Uh, is the most accurate kicker in NFL history, uh, is by most statistical studies that people have done, pretty much the only kicker in the NFL right now that genuinely matters and makes a difference above an average kicker, can kick from... There was a game they won against the Lions on Monday Night Football where he kicked a game winner from 61 yards on in a night he kicked six field goals. I think there are other good kickers, but he's been a step above... Justin Tucker, we talked about how Brady benefited from Belichick. We talked about how other players benefited from great quarterbacks. Has Justin Tucker benefited from the fact that Joe Flacco got a nosebleed at the 40-yard line and didn't know how to go any further? So he's just kicking all day long. (laughs) I know, I feel like every single Steelers-Ravens game for about six years was only field goals. Um, Just as a a, a stupid perception, but it just is Justin Tucker points. You're right, you see it in fantasy. You take him because he's just money. Greg's but, apart from this year, because this, this, year. this year they decided they're going to well, go for it on fourth down, and he's so now exactly. So he's obsolete. never relevant. So he, it was only relevant because Joe Flacco sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue that Joe Flacco didn't suck because 
you know, there's a decade worth of evidence that suggests otherwise. But no, I mean, he made kicks from close yeah. in when they were close. He made them from far out, so they'd be mine. Um, Greg Zerling, get into that conversation. Yeah, I think he had a couple of seasons whereby he missed too many. Um, I think there's a load of guys up near the top. Uh, Stephen Hauschka's another guy who played really well. But Robbie Gould. Yeah, everyone seems to have a couple of seasons where they're not as good. They've all been found out since they changed the rules a couple of years ago. Yeah. The really good guys have come to the to the fore, and the ones who we thought were maybe good have suddenly realised that they can't get extra points. So where, where does Vinatieri come in? Vinatieri was surely the decade before. And the one before that. And, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, he, he was still there. Jankowski? Yep. In there as well, potentially. Consistent, yeah, consistent as well. Played for the Raiders, so let's be honest. You never had a Gano chance. Hit a 63 yarder that wasn't in Denver. That's got to be uh, worth some kind of credit. Yeah, Justin Tucker. That's yeah. It. Okay, are we even bothering with that one then? Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby. Right. Okay. As a Packer, I'll have to kind of stick him out right, there. Fine, kicker. Okay, fine. Have, have we got two more to add to that, or is it just the two of them? Young Way Koo. <laughs> <laughs> Purely for his entertainment value oh, this the season. Fact that he managed to get a fumble recovery last season. It's the first kicker in a long time to do that. The, the Bucks kicker drafted in what round two? His name was oh, oh, Roberto yeah. Arguello. Yeah. Oh, what was his name? He's got Roberto Aguayo. Aguayo, yeah. that's the yeah. one. Yeah. Draft buff. And yeah, then, and then that. on the on the punter side, um, I think I'd have McAfee number one. Um, despite the fact that he quit, obviously that's going to be a big thing for Ian. Um, the guy, the guy in number two, I'd take uh, from Paul's team, Thomas Morstead, who doesn't punt that much because of how good that offense is, but has been consistently great. And I think he was the guy who kicked the onside kick when they won the Super Bowl way back. Yeah, Morstead for me, I have to say. Hecker as well, outstanding. Yeah, Hecker is outstanding. Both, both um, outstanding kickers. Okay, McAfee, Hecker, Morstead. Any other punters that we want to add to this list? This one. Scottish the Scottish Hammer. Hammer. <laughs> He'll be in the conversation 10 just, years from just now. Just put him in the vote. Yeah, See how many votes he gets. Right, we'll put him in for <laughs> kicks and giggles. Right, okay. Not that we're biased. Um, right, any other player business then before we move on to things like Game of the Decade? I think that's covered it. Yeah, fine. So we're not going to do long snapper of the decade. So no, no. Let's go in. I think we, are we all agreed who the coach of the decade is. Right, let's do, you, do, do you know what? I was actually thinking about that, and I, I, when we initially discussed, as much what as we maybe really do, don't want it to be I, him, I thought I thought it was going to be Belichick, but then I thought about it. Well, he's cheated again this season. Mm. So, how, do, you, how, how, do you genuinely think he tried to cheat against the Cincinnati Bengals? I well, I think he's that desperate, given yeah, what we saw last week. No. Cheat against his own wife at sex. <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> Oh well, we've got the addition of at sex as opposed to at monopoly. Um, <laughs> we've got a title for the podcast now. I, I think you've, I think you've got to look at um, Pete Carroll. I think um, as as coach uh, coming in from college, which is difficult to do because not many not many coaches have failed in the NFL. Went to college, were successful, came back and was successful in the NFL. He built such a good defense, but then the defense got completely decimated. Only Wagner's left, or Wagner's left, <laughs> and he's rebuilt it again. Um, and the Seahawks are still consistently uh, good under his tenureship. I, I would maybe argue it's Pete Carroll. What about John Harbaugh? Because the Ravens have never had a truly bad season, since, uh, in, uh, despite the fact they had to deal with Flacco. Um, go, sorry, Joe, if you're listening. The I think I think they've been consistent the whole way through. Mike Tomlin as well, I think, has been 
consistently excellent, but I think, and I think he's done a very good job this year delivering half decent team with no offense to speak of whatsoever. So I think those two have been consistent across the decade. Can as I well. just say all all those guys we've mentioned here have got one thing in common, and Sean Payton as well as longevity. Mm. Because quite simply, if you're crap, you get booted. Yeah. Even more now than, than ever. I, 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 Sean Payton has chucked in a couple of rancid seasons in there as well. In the, to the start in the middle of the decade. There were a few... There was a couple of seven of and nines. Seven and nines in but there. I mean, and the defence was beyond abysmal. See, see to illustrate... Because they're all suspended. To illustrate Paul's point, <laughs> yes. apparently the Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator was going on to the field before games and telling other coaches from other teams how crap everything was at the Browns and apparently the, the game package that they put in the offensive coordinator wasn't even calling those, he was just making stuff up that's how bad That's how bad things can be in the NFL so you, if you have a coach that means you don't have anything like that then that's going to be a, a case for longevity for them so if you look at winning records, right? So Belichick's got uh, 0.688. They're all 0.6s here, um, with the exception of Pete Carroll, who's the lowest of that group that we talked about, which is a 0.593. Mike Tomlin is 0.635, continues to do it. Uh, Peyton, 0.626. Uh, Mike McCarthy, oh, no. possibly into that. 0.613. There wasn't a lot of losing records up in Green Bay. Um, he obviously didn't see eye to eye with the, the quarterback all the time uh, John Harbaugh so, uh, 0.615 um, you know there is a lot of uh, coaches in there that have been there a long time Andy Reid you got you know, well Cochran who was with the Giants as well it's got to come into the conversation for Andy Reid had a point has a 0.606 Coughlin had half a decade yeah but still last two, two years at the Giants and yeah. then ever since going to the Jags has been still won two Super Bowls of them so yeah you know in terms of talking coach of the decade I think he's got to be in there I mean obviously he wasn't at when he's been back at the Jags he's been president so he's not been head coach he actually had a winning record at the Jags before he left uh, to go to the Giants uh, 95 to 2002 so two decades ago his career win record is 0.537 um, but I mean as much as yeah as much as he's been caught once again for coach Bob Agary um, it's really got to be Belichick there's not really anybody else you can't win that many Super Bowls in a season and continually even not have first round season. Right, sorry, in a decade. <laughs> oh, he's at it. He's at it again. That's the seventh Super Bowl I've won this month. Do you know what? I'm quite happy. I've made it about an hour and ten minutes and I think that's only the second time I've been brought up for saying the wrong thing. Um, and I keep knocking this headphone out of my ear. But it's got to be Belichick. Yes. Is it worth putting yep. a vote out? No. 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 We're all just going to resignly shake our heads in resign. disappointment. <laughs> this is the end of the NFL Scotland <laughs> podcast. Because it's, it's Belichick. <laughs> we all hate him, but we have to give him the trophy. Yeah. Don't worry, it's not the end. If we, if we didn't have this, we'd just be talking to ourselves. Um, <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, literally. And to myself. Um, okay, we all got one moment of the decade then. Yeah. Malcolm, but Malcolm Butler on the one-yard line. <sighs> It's a good moment. That's the that's the play of the decade, and you know I think for two reasons because one, it could have been two two Super Bowls in a row for Seattle, and then who knows what would have happened, but it wasn't. And actually, people thought that Brady and Belichick were finished, and then they weren't, and then they've gone on to win two more since. So that was pivotal. And why the hell they didn't run Marshawn Lynch, I do not know. That's but the one thing that would count against Pete Carroll. 
for trying to be too much of a smart smart arse. And what happened to Malcolm Butler? Signed a whacking great contract extension at Tennessee, and he's now out for the season, and nothing's been heard of him since. Yeah. So, but that for me was the that's the one. That's that play. That's the play. I think Saints onside kick, and uh, there was also an onside kick. Seattle Green Bay. Was it Seattle oh. Green Bay in the playoffs? Yeah. No. That that was just <laughs> the dumbest play um, ever. That yeah, well, apart from, during the decade, I can't remember. The Jets had a guy when they were driving who hit somebody when he was out of bounds when the play was over to kill a drive, which was one of the funniest things I've seen. And of course, more up to date, Jameis Winston throwing a season ending interception was quite funny as well. Uh, but I, I, the onside kick, but Butler, I think. Given just the sheer and utter surprise of it, everybody knew he should have ran. He didn't run. I think for an NFL Scotland moment of the decade, uh, being in Edinburgh last year watching the championship games and and seeing Paul as things went horrendously badly, that that's one that's going to live with me for probably the next decade. He's still talking about pass interference. He's still it's not about pass it. interference. Okay, my therapist said. <laughs> For me, it's got to be fairly special, um, especially being uh, in Philadelphia to see that and having the only second time I've ever done this, there was a goal by Gallagher against Austria to Scotland to qualify for the last World oh, Cup. Yeah. I was right behind it and when he struck it, it was going, it was outside of the goal, I could see it, and I was mid, you stupid, and then the ball curled, you stupid, yeah. <laughs> it was the exact same thing with the Philly special, because I thought it was a busted play, and I'm going, yeah, so, yeah, that was, for me, that's got to be that. It's from, uh, from, the, from the Giants Super Bowl on 2012, the championship game, and... Do you remember that? Oh. <laughs> I was quite, I'd had a few beers, but yeah, I can still remember it. <laughs> uh, um, the the winning the winning field goal in the championship game, Steve Weatherford's uh, running away with the most um, uh, lip readable um, shout of all time, um, and then in the Super Bowl, Mario Manningham's catch down the sideline, the toe tap to keep it going, and then um, you know, one thing led to another. Um, were amazing and. When I just tried to think back through everything of the like when I started doing kind of weekly roundups of NFL in this decade, um, probably the most recognised, most remembered was the butt fumble. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> that resonated on, I mean, one level, maybe, maybe one and a half, but that's all it needed. <laughs> I don't know if we've discussed this or not, but I have a fantasy league with my friends, and the the loser has to rename their team the butt fumbles the following year and we have a Mark Sanchez Jets top that they have to wear yes. every time we meet and I've actually got a trophy and I'll show a photo I'm sure I've shared it before but it's basically an, uh, we got one of the sort of real action figure ones of Mark Sanchez in the Jets top chiseled the ball out of his hand glued him on his back and put the ball to his side and they win the butt fumble trophy it is yeah, absolutely it's a legacy that will yes. stay with us forever if we're, if we're doing a personal moment as well a confession on mine on one of the most memorable plays in NFL history Charles mentioned the Joe Flacco to Jacoby Jones pass. I was in Denver for that. I flew over to the game. It was freezing cold. And uh, I'd held on to a pee for like two hours. <laughs> the Broncos go up and I'm like, it's Joe Flacco. He's not. Like, it'd been a weird game. The Ravens had scored like on an interception return. The Broncos had scored on a punt return and a kick return. But 
because Joe Flacco's not driving down the field in two minutes here. So I'm like, I'm going to go. I walk all the way down and I get in line in the bathroom and just hear the sound on the thing and all the Broncos fans around me in the bathroom just groaning and realise something big had happened. But one of the one of the biggest plays in Ravens history, I was in the stadium and missed it. <laughs> I'll be honest, when you started that, I thought you were going to say a little bit came out when that happened. <laughs> the, the, first, the first thing that, that popped into my head is, why is Gordon in the stadium with a, a tiny little pee in his fingers? Is it a lucky pee? I don't... I was I was in the toilet with a kilt on trying to pee when uh, Brandon Graham strip sacked uh, Tom Brady and trying to get a pee out quickly whilst always having a kilt on to rush back to the bar is a difficult task. <laughs> oh dear! A picture paints a thousand words. Doesn't it just? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it just? So for me, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the moment that got me back into the NFL. We've talked about this before. That I was a big fan in the the 90s, 80s, 90s when it was on Channel Four. Uh, lost touch with it because I didn't have Sky, and it was the play. It was the Jerome Simpson flip touchdown for the Bengals against the Cardinals on Christmas Eve. And he ran up and he did a standing flip over the player, landed on his feet in the touchdown, and I went, "Oh my God, I've got to watch the NFL again." And I have ever since. Um, I think it's same season. The David Tyree catch, the helmet catch, two thousand seven. Oh, is that two thousand seven? I'm thinking about something else then. Well, the, there was another catch that the Giants had against. That was the interception after they'd um, got uh, marched up and taken the lead again. That's. I that's think I, I think Ernest Givens actually did a, a flip over somebody into an end zone as well in the 80s, but uh, Givens busted his knee out when he did it. So Simpson gets credit for not injuring himself. <laughs> and other people have done stuff since, kind of like it, but I I love all that kind of stuff. Uh, Paul's going to think this is an agenda against him, but the play that got me out my seat in an absolute flabbergast was the Minnesota Miracle. Because it was just... Uh, there was no way that the Vikings were coming back and winning. Oh, they are. Oh, my God. Uh, and I couldn't quite believe it. Like, as a, as a proper jaw-dropping moment, I think it was up there as one of the biggest. That just... Wow. And, I mean, it was obviously the Scott Hansen video that came out the back of that with them just screaming wildly while grabbing also, onto people. You also had to play in the, the, the Ravens-Broncos game where the, the safety just totally missed it as well. That was kind of similar to that one, just kind of, what are the he doing? Yeah. I'll, I'll take that any What's day. What's the goalie doing, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that any day over the non-person interference call. Yeah. Any yep. day, because that was, yeah. somebody had to do something. That, was, that, uh, that wasn't one that stood out as a, that was just a shambles. Yeah, that, that no pass interference was just a, just awfulness and it was a bad look for the whole thing um, and soured the whole And we've had a bad legacy of it this year because the, the challenges and the, the rules etc it, it's actually had a very detrimental effect on the game this year The other one that I can't believe Jamie didn't mention was um, Beckham's catch the first one the one handed the one handed one against Dallas yeah. where I think even I think Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were on commentary that night and they could not believe it had happened they didn't believe that he could have caught that. And I think Collinsworth said it's the greatest catch he's ever seen. And yeah. since then, every wide receiver in the league is just going like that. I mean, also, glove, it was glove-assisted, of course, but that was the, what, that was the standard yeah. bearer, wasn't it? But he's also tried to shag a kicking net, so, I mean, he just goes yeah. down as somebody who's a bit, you know. So, no. <laughs> the, we're talking about weird moments. That I mean, again, that, that, that's just an incredibly... And, and you do wonder how these guys who can make such balletic plays like that and Antonio Brown can just be so 
so dumb off the field and attract attention for all the wrong reasons. But I get I mean, we get that in all sports, I guess. So I, the one that I can't believe anybody's mentioned, actually, and it was the part of the, the phrase that I used to discuss the last one I mentioned, but not the miracle in Minnesota. The miracle in Miami needs to be in that list. Another reason that Gronk shouldn't maybe yeah. get that trophy is because he can't terrible, play defensive back. Terrible safety. Terrible safety. But actually, I, I'd kind of forgotten when I said the word miracle, that had me up in my seat cheering rather than flabbergast. That was that final play. Because they never work. They never work. And it was brilliant. Every single layoff just was perfectly timed. And it got to Drake and he went, nah, I can do this. Uh, and just, yeah, Gronk falling over like a building. Um, I love the fact that New England tried to do it last weekend against yeah. Miami and I was kind of hoping that they would maybe get to you know the 15 yard line and then it would all fall to bits but they didn't even get over halfway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right any other business then before we wrap things up and just like the uh, Broncos Ravens game Gordon's left us early for a pee so if anyone wants to throw a touchdown <laughs> in <laughs> but I think that concludes everything then for episode 82 of the NFL Scotland podcast thank you for listening to this like I say keep an eye on Twitter at Scotland NFL because we're going to be putting all of these positions up for you to vote help us select Scotland's team of the decade it's been great to have all six members of the NFL Scotland podcast team in the same room on the same podcast we must do that again soon Absolutely. Look forward to Wild Card Weekend. We'll be back after that to discuss everything. We'll be picking apart all the pieces from the thrilling four games that we've got ahead of us. Looking forward to them. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Enjoy your football. And until the next time, bye for now. Bye.